0: Two little white boys in my class turning around and calling me the N-word. And I'm looking at them like, what did they just say? Welcome to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks. I'm Gloria Harrison, a TV producer living in New York. And I'm Carrie Clifford, an actor and writer
1: living in Los Angeles. We first met in elementary school outside Boston.
0: When I was part of a program that busts kids from the inner city to school in the suburbs. We're going to talk
1: about privilege and
0: disadvantage. And about what it's like to move from one world to another without really feeling at home in either. In this podcast, we're having conversations about race. And the awkwardness that comes with learning about people from another culture. So let's talk about ebony and ivory.
1: Okay. So, okay, what I remember is that I feel like this was around, like, fourth grade or something, and we were in elementary school, and I just remember there was a talent show, and you sang Ebony and Ivory.
0: Yes, and I remember the music teacher asking me if I wanted to do a solo. And when the teacher asked me, I was so excited. I was like, hell yeah, I want to do a solo. She's like, do you have a song in mind? I can't tell you how we came about that song But I know it was it felt right for the time that was going on, even at such a young age about race relations. And and she said, I have somebody who wants to sing with you. And we would practice after school. I would go home and practice. I would tell my parents, I'm doing Ebony and Ivory. My siblings would be like, who cares? I'm like, I'm doing a solo, a duet with someone and she's white. And they'd be like, Okay, you're dumb. Like, what are you doing? Ebony and Ivory, that's that's a joke. But I got to be honest with you, when we did the show and I saw all those kids out in the auditorium looking and how well it went, I was so proud. I was like, okay, Gloria, you just did the damn thing. And I mean,
1: I I remember you doing it, so it had to have been amazing if I still remember it so many years later, but I don't remember who you sang
0: with. And we got to figure that out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I don't remember how it sounded but it must have been also that ebony and ivory had come out maybe like a year or two before because or something. Usually, it was like
0: yeah it was relevant it, it, the, the music teachers would do stuff that was out but yeah. it, you know and but I remember going ebony and ivory <laughs> live together in perfect like we were harmony holding hands I was like what it, and but, to be honest, I don't think, and so we were probably
1: like fourth grade-ish, I don't think I even knew what any of that meant. I just, I don't know that I knew what Ebony, you know, like... That, I don't think I did what, either. But what, what I knew, knew was that... was
0: black, honey, I knew that.
1: <laughs> one of the lines was like, side by side on my piano, yeah, right? We, and, and, so was, that's,
0: and also, we I, all know that people are the same wherever they go. There is good yeah. and bad in everyone. When I'm looking back, I'm like, these teachers, some of them, honestly... Some of them were woke. Back then, they were trying. They were like, look at this little black girl. She got a little flavor. Let's just try to bring kumbaya, bring everybody together. And at first, I was like, I'm going to stand up in front of all these white people. Oh, my God can I do it? And I literally took it seriously. I would go home and practice. I made my parents listen to me. I was like, I'm doing a solo. And they'd be like, come on, Gloria, what what you got? I said, listen, it's called Ebony and Ivory. And I would practice and practice and practice. And that day came. I was like, am I going to forget the words? We did it. Am I going to get stage fright? I'm not. Or will I? Good news is everything worked out.
1: But do you feel like, because it's only sort of like Recently, that when I look back on that and think, because it's like, was there anyone else who could have done it? You know, I mean, it was sort of like if we, because they're not going to have two white people do it, or actually maybe they could have, but it I mean, been awkward. But it wasn't like between you and someone else. I think it was like, all right, they knew. That Gloria had a great voice. What would be great for her to sing? Oh, Ebony and Ivory, because Stephen right. Wonder does it. <laughs> exactly.
0: But honestly, as we got older in high school, I think there were a couple of Mecco students that could sing. And I remember when I auditioned, they auditioned too. And, and yeah. that brings me to the whiz. Like, when I went to check the list to find out if I made it, I mean, I was doing the happy dance. I said, right. I not only made it, I'm going to be Dorothy. What? Yeah. You know, so as I got older, I think there were kids, Mecco students that had talent, but it wasn't a big pool to choose from. You know what I mean? Right. No, I'm not saying that there
1: weren't other talented kids, but it's just sort of like, you know, I don't know. It wasn't. Yeah, it was like they were showcasing you, which was awesome. But part of me feels like it seems a little bit on the nose. Like you could have also sang a Beatles song. You didn't have to sing a song that that was one black person and one white person, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or you could have sang, you know, uh, um, four top song and you know what I mean? It what, like it, what, it was so on the nose.
0: Right. But, and even what back it then, was. like you're saying, I, I don't think I realized that I was just so happy to be. Me too. Singing. That's,
1: that's what I don't think I thought that as being ro- wrong or right or whatever, it, you know, it just, and I also just thought what?
0: kids were going to laugh. Nobody laughed. Or if they did, it wasn't out loud. You yeah. know what I mean? I didn't know how people were going to perceive it. Yeah. So Ebony and Ivory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but when I think about finding my voice and I think about theater and doing chorus and learning how to play the flute, which I was horrible at. Um, Wait, which years did you play the flute? Because maybe we did it together. M- middle school. And no, it wasn't the flute. I stand corrected. It was clarinet clarinet. And I was horrible. And Mr. Conti did. The, no, he didn't do, he did chorus. I don't even remember the music teacher's name. Anyway, they were like, it's awful. And yeah. I would come home and practice at home. And the kid, my siblings would be like, turn that shit down. <laughs> I'm like, I got, a, I got a, um, a concert. They're like, it's awful. It's awful stop. It was clarinet I played for the sure. food.
1: I pl- probably wasn't much better. I did, I know I did it in 4th, 5th and 6th grade, which you know is really when you're really good at an instrument. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, what I kept telling you when I said earlier and we teased to me finding my voice. I don't know that I've said this to you before. Um certainly if we didn't talk about it as children, I in our adult life we didn't have the conversation. So When the teachers started bringing me in to do chorus and to do theater, that to me was something that helped me build up my self-esteem because I think it was around second or third grade. I'm not good with uh, timelines, but I know that it was elementary. I remember in class randomly sitting in the back of the class and two little white boys in my class turning around and calling me the N-word. And I'm looking at them like, what did they just say? N word. And I'm so angry. And I'm saying, don't call me that we're whispering, going back and forth. The teacher doesn't hear me. The the school ends. I get on the bus. I cry. I come home. I'm so angry because I'm like, I can't believe they said that to me. And in my head, I'm like, maybe it'll just go away. I'm not going to tell anybody. Wait a couple more weeks. The same two boys whispering it again, the N word, the N word. And I said, don't call me that. Why? What are you going to do? So I'm not going to lie to you. I got up and I hit them. Good. Okay. So the teacher turns around. She only sees me hitting the kids. So guess what? I was put into detention. Right. She said to me, Gloria, why did you hit them? And I said, oh, ask them. They know why I hit them. Again, not telling the teacher what happened. Right. And they're crying. I don't know what happened. I go, oh, you know what happened. Tell her what happened. Would not speak of it. They wouldn't say what they did. And nor did I. So I did detention. By this time, my parents are called. It goes away. I kid you not, probably like a month or two later. I'm at recess, I think. I get into the same incident with the same boys. It carries over into the class. They're still saying it. This time, I pick up a chair, and I go after them to hit them. They grab me, they take me to uh, the principal's office, My mom had to come up to the school. They said to my mom, we wonder if your daughter has behavioral problems, if she is um, maybe bipolar, if she has emotional problems. And she's like, Gloria, why would you throw a chair at somebody? I didn't raise you like that. What are you doing hitting someone? And she said to the teacher, why didn't you tell me this when it happened? She was like, I was just trying to work with Gloria. I was just trying to get her to communicate. She goes, no. She goes, "Um, Gloria, so I went home and I'll be honest with you. And I know it's a podcast. I can't say it. She goes, I'm going to whoop your ass if you hit another student. I'm going to whoop your ass if I get called again to the school because you don't know how to behave. She said, why are you doing that? Now, meanwhile, I'm going to church every Sunday. I'm involved in the the community. I'm, you know, playing, I'm on a bowling league when my parents take me with my siblings. So I don't see any of this behavior. I don't Mm -hmm. watch my parents. There's no domestic violence. There's no nothing. But I felt like nobody could hear me. And I knew the word that they were saying to me was horrible. She said, tell me why you're doing that. And I'm like, I can't. She said, tell me why. I said, mommy, mommy, they call me a nigger. She goes, why didn't you tell me? I was like, I was afraid. Why did she get back in the car, go back to Waylon, talk to the teacher and said, here's the thing. I'm not saying my child's an angel, but if you're going to allow these kids to call her names, that is beating down her self-esteem that is messing with her. And then you know what they said to me? She goes, my daughter doesn't have a mental problem. She's not bipolar. She said, I teach her to be respectful. She said, but if you're gonna keep doing stuff and no one's helping you, I also teach her to stick up for herself. You know what I mean? So the teacher was looking at her like, are you telling me that you're saying it's okay for your daughter to hit somebody? She said, what I'm telling you is if you can't fix this and I'm coming to you now that I know this, then my daughter's gonna take care of it herself. I mean, they saw that as a threat, right? They were like, what, what, what? What I learned in that moment was I had teachers helping me to find my voice, be it theater, be it singing. For the first time, they even brought a counselor in. They said, here's where you are not wrong. You do not deserve to be treated this way. You do not deserve to be called names. What you have to do is figure out a way to communicate your feelings. If you tell the teacher, And she doesn't do anything. Then you go to the principal. You know what I mean? There's somebody here. You go to a MECO counselor. There's someone here who can help you. And my mom said to me, Gloria, you know, we will never, ever scold you. I will always take care of you. I will always have your back. But what I need you to do is never hold something in. Mm -hmm. You're being treated. You're being verbally abused. You've been dealing with this for like weeks and you didn't tell anybody. And I said, okay, what I've learned here is that I need to figure out a way to use my voice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to communicate. And you know what I became after that? They moved me from the back of the class to the middle. And as I got right. older, I started moving to the front because right. the teacher said, if you tell me what's going on. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to use my voice in a different way. Um, he just stuck his finger up at me. I stuck right. mine up back at him, <laughs> but he did it first. She's like, okay, Gloria, let me, and then. But it started to change for me. Imagine if my mother didn't come to the school, right? Imagine if the if I didn't, they didn't keep saying to me, uh, "We think she might have some mental issues." Right. Put her in delay. I'm like, what? And you know, and, but what and- happened to the kids? Was there any uh, like well, here's repercussions they they, for the kids? They say that they can't tell you. They'll reach out to the parents, but they can't tell you what type of dis- disciplinary action was taken because they're not allowed to do that. But what I learned from that was that I did have a voice and that I didn't have to put up with that and yeah. that I didn't deserve that. And it was hurtful. It's like, you're saying this and you're whispering, but all I'm looking, the teacher sees me as hitting the hell out of him. Right. And looking at the aggressor and someone who's crazy and just like randomly hitting white kids. I'm like, no, honey, he called me a nigger. Right. Multiple times. And, and I, that makes me <laughs> feel like, yeah.
1: Such a dumbass. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff went on. I definitely did not even know that word. But, I mean, you know, in my little... I mean, of course, there were, like, those bully kids. Like, I don't know everyone's names, you know? Yeah. And so they were probably the kids that did that. But it's, like, so, like, shameful that that even went on. And and that you guys had to endure stuff like that and still come back the next day.
0: So imagine that. So here's the thing, like, okay, that's why when I say, okay, I'm comfortable with talking about Ebony and Ivory, I'm comfortable with talking about the whiz. So long as I talk about the other side, the the, the side that is behind closed doors that so many people didn't know about because I was told to stand, stand tall, to overcome it, to be strong when really inside I was hurting. It's like, whoa. And it comes back to, was this a good idea? Right. Like, I don't, you know, and and I don't like your ass no more than you like me, but I'm not calling you names, but you feel like you are entitled to call me names. Where did you learn that from? Right.
1: Parents, probably. And so, I mean, that also makes me remember about how, because I think it was like the same time frame. It was definitely elementary school, probably fourth or fifth grade, Mm -hmm. but there was a cross burning in our town. And there was a family in our town where the dad was from Zimbabwe, so he was black, and the wife, the mom, was white. And um, there was a cross burning on their yard. And I will never forget, I was, my dad was driving, we were in the car, and it was on the AM radio. Yes. And you know how, like, on AM radio, they keep kind of, like, telling the same story, essentially? and. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know anything. And my dad was like, so upset and so triggered and so just like, did how he did explain this happen? To you what and
0: happened? Did he say?
1: He just said it was a cross burning, and I didn't know what that meant. And to me, I associate a cross with church or whatever. I didn't right. know what that meant that it was burning. We knew the family because we actually went to church with the family. So maybe that's. So maybe that is also why I associated the cross with the church. So I didn't even really know that it was like such a terrible thing. And then um, come to find out once they finally figured out the kids who had done it, and I think it was teenagers or like late teens, one of them had the same last name as me. Wow. And so I always felt shame. I I had no relation, um, but I always felt shame that someone with my last name did this thing that maybe at the time I didn't know the significance of, and I didn't know how terrible it was, but obviously getting older, I knew the significance. And I mean, it was just like such a terrible thing. And even when I think about it now, because, you know, we didn't grow up in like the South, like we grew up in a pretty evolved, uh, liberal um, Massachusetts, you know, and that stuff still happened. And so the fact that like, I know that happened. And then now you're telling me that people like use the N word. It's like, it's just, I guess there's no escaping it. Like it was, it was all there.
0: No. And you know what else too, even though uh, Massachusetts was liberal and the, those school districts, seven districts that volunteered to take on this busing system Some of them were liberal, not all of them, even in those towns. So it's like, you, here you are privileged neighborhood. They're keeping their children as they should in a bubble. They have no idea of what's going on in the real world because although it's better than the South, Massachusetts is one of the worst in terms of racism. Right. If you can believe it. And think of my parents coming from South Carolina, Virginia, moving here for a better life only to find out that, you know, it's, it's subtle. Right. It's like, um, I feel like they're dealing with snakes in the grass. It's not as obvious as in the South, but it's still there. And some of it's blatant. Question for you, when you were younger, do you remember any kids using the N-word? no
1: i honestly and i'm not saying that to portray myself as like this lily white whatever like i honestly (laughs) no but but because sometimes i i'm self-conscious of me but no i never heard it like like i'm perfect but like honestly i i don't think i ever heard that word until like college or post-college and even then it was hearing it like in the media not hearing it like someone i know say it you know um but can but no. I,
0: can I, can I say this to you? Yeah, this is, and looking back, this is what I, I think was going on. And it's just my perspective. Yeah. So when you say the group of people, Gloria, that I hung out with, we never talk like that. So that right. was that group of people. And if you talk about our class being, I think you said about 167, 165, right? Yeah. So however large your group was, maybe it wasn't going on in your group. Right. But if you think about and I don't want to call them out, the smokers, right. some of the older kids, th- some of the kids that wanted no Mecco to speak of. Yeah. Oh, it was going on. And it was oh. times where it was written in the school bathroom. And uh. I'm saying to myself, what is going on? I thought you all I thought this was a volunteer program. And it's like, no, right. it wasn't. I felt it, it ca- I feel like it came down to money. And, and people saying, oh, let's do this feel-good thing, but not really wanting to do that. And it starts from the right. top. It starts with our parents. You know, my right. parents signing me up, thinking just sending me there was enough. And people right. saying, I'm we're sure, letting I'm these sure. kids there. That's enough. That's all we're going to do. We've done our job. Oh, no, there was so much more to do.
1: And I'm sure it was divisive. I'm just coming from like, I'm, my parents were fine with it because they thought they were doing this wonderful thing for these kids. But I'm sure there was other parents that were like, uh-uh, let's keep our town white. Right. <laughs> you know, also, or whatever.
0: And let me say this to you. When, when you say fine with it, fine with it to the extent of let's let them come. But none of them, mostly, most of the parents didn't mix and mingle. And it was hard because right. they're working and other parents are. Oh, exactly. I'm saying, that's what, was, no, yeah. And
1: I'm the first to say that. Like, let's. that's fine. Let's let them come. I mean, they're not going to come to my birthday party, but you're fine to go to school. Oh, how about in my this? Town. They're not
0: going to come to my house. They're not right. going to come to my house. We're not doing right. sleepovers. We're not hosting. We're not hosting right. those black kids. We don't know where they're from. We don't right. know where they They might been. steal stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like the voice, finding my voice? Yes. You should have I'm seriously, I'm I like devastated.
1: Like, I feel like, obviously like I can't take, it's like the white guilt that your daughter's talking about. I can't (laughs) take the burden of someone else saying that, but I still feel like somewhat responsible because when those white kids called you the N word, I take ownership too, even though I don't even know who they were. I probably wasn't even friends with them, but still they did that.
0: And I take, I feel
1: shame about that, even though I had no part of it.
0: So let me ask you this, is it just you and I take responsibility because it's a lot to take on someone else's stuff and we should never give someone the power but the fact that we do is very interesting and i wish more people took some responsibility right we obviously can't forget to talk about uh, the whiz and that oh, was in high mean, school
1: you mean our high school that was 99 white put on the whiz yeah we should probably talk about that You've been listening to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks with my mom, Gloria. And my mom, Carrie. This episode was produced by Frank Valida, Carrie Clifford, Gloria Harrison, and an ACL joint production. With the music by Alex Skolnick Trio. Check them out at alexskolnick.com. Tune in next time to
0: hear more from our moms. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.